Colts in this situation. Third and seven. Only a four-man rush into the end zone for the touchdown. Brandon Myers and the Hawkeyes have taken the lead. And the tight end just snuck in there. Myers with his third touchdown catch of the season, getting a lot of playing time because regular starting tight end Tony Moyaki is out for his third straight game. And Iowa's hard work has finally paid off with a touchdown. And it's a 10-6 Iowa lead over number 18, Illinois. First and three for Illinois. A little pump fake. McGee's going deep. He has a guy wide open. Joe Morgan in a foot race. He is gone. The flag is down back at the 17-yard line. And that'll be key. Will this thing come back or not? That's the drama we're facing right now. And it will. Wow. A race. An 83-yard touchdown from McGee to Morgan. Ineligible receiver downfield. Number 16 of the offense. He lined up. Outside receiver covered him up. That's a five-yard penalty. No repeat. First down. So McGee thought he had himself an 83-yard touchdown pass, but instead, the tight end, who was lined up as a lineman, as a covered lineman, was downfield too quickly. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the weekly football podcast from HawkeyesMike.com. The game action is courtesy of ESPN2. Well, the Hawks got a giant gorilla off their back with a 10-6 victory over the Fighting Illini of Illinois last Saturday. The Hawks broke their eight-game Big Ten losing streak. It was a big upset over the ranked Illinois team. And in spite of the low score, it was a gritty and exciting performance at Kinnick Stadium. The offense finally showed some life on blackout Saturday. They sustained multiple drives, improved substantially on third-down conversions, and allowed the defense to rest on the sidelines, even if not racking up a lot of points. The offensive line in particular seemed to show marked improvement. Iowa's defense turned in a terrific performance. They stunned a very potent Illinois offense, not allowing a single touchdown. Illinois came into this game averaging over 30 points per contest. The victory marked the fifth straight over the Fighting Illini, and it was Iowa's first win over a ranked team since November of 2005. Certainly, it's a lot more fun doing this show when we're talking about a victory, especially one as exciting as this. This really was a big win for the young Hawkeye team, the first Big Ten win, and over a year and the first win in a close game defined as four points or less since the opening of the 2005 season. We'll take Ryan Zook's coaching gifts or should I say gaffes which certainly helped but you have to give Iowa's defense and offense a lot of credit. Remember Illinois came into this game with the nation's fifth best running game and Iowa held them to only 137 yards 124 below their average. Illinois is the only Big Ten team to utilize an option attack and Illinois was coming off two big wins over Penn State and Wisconsin, both of those in Champaign. The Illini's 287 total yards and six points were their lowest total so far this year by a long shot. Coming into this game, the Illini were averaging in excess of 30 points a game. Iowa had no three and outs, a major improvement over its Penn State performance, and third down conversion rate was good. In fact, it was very good. A significant part of that was because a lot of the third down situations were third and short because 
because many first down plays went for good yardage, and they also converted on a fourth down attempt. Iowa utilized a no-huddle offense on several occasions and did so effectively. The offense did just enough to win, and at least early in the contest, the offensive coordinator Ken O'Keefe mixed things up nicely. And the defense turned in a great performance, and Mike Humphel turned in a terrific performance and was rewarded by being named Big Ten and National Defensive Player of the Week. And remember, Iowa is doing this now with 22 freshmen and redshirt freshmen, plus 11 sophomores on the two deeps. Everyone, especially the players and coaches, should celebrate this win, but I think you still need to be relatively cautious about what this pretends for the rest of the season. It will take continued improvement, marked improvement, for these Hawks to regain some of the stature this program has held for the past few years. We'll talk more about that in the segments with Marv Cook and Pat Hardy. Second and nine from the 11. He gets the two to get the first down. McGee with plenty of time going over the middle. It's picked off. Intercepted by Brett Greenwood. Boy, all the praise we've lavished on him. And he makes a mistake like that. He led his receiver a little too much. And he hit Greenwood right between the three and the O. Boy, McGee had been perfect on that drive, making all the right decisions. And that one, we couldn't even tell who he was throwing to. It was that bad. Let's do a quick review of the game notes and key stats. Iowa has not scored on its opening drive in any of its seven games, but at least in the contest against Illinois, it held the ball for a considerable amount of time and got some first downs. Illinois did score on its first possession. It converted a 46-yard field goal. Iowa maintained possession for more than 10 minutes in the first period, even if not scoring. Quarterback Jake Christensen completed 17 of 24 passes for 182 yards and one touchdown. And as we talked earlier, linebacker Mike Humpel registered a career-high 18 tackles. He's been double-digit tackles in four games this season, including the last three. He had his first career sack, and he also recovered his first career fumble in the fourth quarter. Adam Shada also contributed 10 tackles. Iowa converted 10 of its 17 third-down conversions for a 59% average. That's its second-best conversion rate of the 2007 season. Key stats, first down, Iowa had 21 to Illinois' 15. Net yards rushing, 141 to 137 for the Hawks. Net yards passing, 182 to 1. 50 also in the Hawks' favor. Total offensive yards, 323 for Iowa, 287 for Illinois. Total offensive plays, and this is big, Iowa had 72 to the Illini's 55. Third down conversions, Iowa was 10 of 17, while the Illini were only 5 of 11. That's a good percentage, but they didn't have many opportunities. Red zone scoring chances, Iowa was 2 for 3, Illinois 1 for 2, and Iowa only suffered two sacks in this game. Today's Hawkeyes Mike program is made possible in part by the Lodge Apartments in Iowa City, the finest in student living, your home away from home. Call 319-358-3500 or go to www.thelodge at ui.com. And by Morgan Stanley Financial Advisors of Curlville. Call 319-338-5184 or 800-870-0002 for all your investment needs. These football programs come to you weekly during the entire season on HawkeyesMike.com. This week, once again, you'll have the chance to hear Marv Cook's thoughts and Pat Hardy's opinions, and we'll also hear from you, the Iowa fans. We invite you to share your opinions each week by calling 866-74-HAWKS.
Next up, let's hear from the coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa at Purdue. First, Kirk Ferentz. Before we get to those cuts, the coach was a little prickly about some media coverage that Iowa's team has received over the past week or so, and he addressed that at length at the beginning of the press conference, but finally got around to talking about the Saturday's game at Purdue. Purdue, uh, you know, it's going to be another challenge for us. I think we saw Saturday. Uh, nothing's going to come easy for our football team, I think it's fair to say right now, uh, just the way we're built. Uh, and th this will be a tough challenge, too. Purdue's a very good football club, I think a lot, lot like uh, Indiana, a lot like Illinois, in that they've got a ton of veterans back. Uh, you know, count them up, they've got about uh, nine starters on each side of the ball back from a year ago. And uh, then they've got their specialists back, too. So you know, they're a good ball club. Uh, you know, vintage uh, Purdue and Purdue's done what it takes to win through the years. You know, Coach Tiller has to have to do a great job. And, but I think their preference is they like to throw the football, and they, they've got a guy in Painter who can really wing it around. They've got a good line, you know, a veteran line, and then they've got an excellent core of receivers, uh, including their tight end. So, you know, they're, they're a very uh, uh, a good offensive football team. And you know, defensively, again, they've got all their guys back, and they're a tough scheme to get ready for. So, you know, we're, uh, you know, we're looking forward to it. Kirk was asked what the next step forward is for this young Hawk team. You know, the good news is we move the ball. You know, sustained drives, certainly we're better on third down. Uh, we still had a couple first down mishaps and, you know, first play of the game penalty. Uh-oh, here we go again. You know, we, we uh, I thought we executed much better. You know, we're, we're uh, you know, better in every phase. and But not yeah, now we've got to score some points. You know, we uh, found a way to uh, stop ourselves, not to discredit Illinois. They did a good job, too. But uh, you get down in there, you got to come away with points, and we didn't do a very good job of that. But... Uh, our execution and practice is better, and I think the key thing for us is to realize we need to keep pushing forward, or it's not going to happen. You know, so. Uh, but you know, we're, we're young, and uh, the guys made some strides that ought, ought to help their confidence. And you know, but we got to keep helping our confidence by by working hard too. Ferentz talks about how big the win over Illinois is for the Hawks program. Uh, you know, it was major. I mean, we, we just needed some success. You know, first and foremost. Um, you know, you, as I've been saying, our guys have worked hard. Uh, their attitude's been great, but you know, at some point, you got to have a little reward in there too. I think uh, you know, there's no guarantees you're going to get one, but it, it certainly is important. And I think it just kind of uh, verified for a lot of the guys on the team that hey, you know, things can, things can work out. We just got to keep pushing, keep working through some issues and uh, challenges. But uh, you know, you, you learn a lot out of losing, and uh, we've certainly learned enough this year. So hopefully we can uh, start pushing forward the other direction. Ferentz also addressed the extremes in terms of the difference between the Illinois offense and facing the Purdue offense this coming Saturday. The, the good news is Purdue will run some option. Bad news is we probably won't see it. Um, you know, so that, that preparation was good. But yeah, it, it, it's a very, uh, it, it's a shift back. So it's gonna be a whole different preparation for us. And, and, but, but again, the biggest challenge is you got a quarterback who can really, really throw the football very well. And that's uh, yeah, one thing to say, hey, we're going to throw the ball around. But th these guys really practice it. They execute it very well. They're precision. They got talent. That, that's where the challenge is, just how they operate. So you know, we're, we're going to have to try to be at our best. And Kirk addresses the contributions of Iowa's true freshmen. I said a year ago, uh, probably like you know this time, maybe a little later in the season, that we, we probably missed the boat a little bit on some guys. We didn't handicap any of the guys coming into the season. Uh, now, Alan Reisner's a, a great example. If we had handicapped, he'd probably be down at that bottom tier of a guy that we thought uh, could play prior, prior to, you know, guessing before the guys get here. And 
kind of ties in as I was saying earlier. You know, until guys get out there on the field, you really don't know how they're going to react or what they're going to do. And no question, he's been pressed into duty before his time. And if you'd asked me in August, I would have said, you know, red shirt, you're pretty safe. But we just haven't had that luxury. And, and to his credit, uh, and, you know, lesson learned here too, I think, to his credit, being thrown into the situation, he, he's really done a nice job. You know, he looked pretty overwhelmed the first couple of weeks. But the last couple, he's, he's getting comfortable now. And... Uh, you know, he's hardly a ready product, but he's doing a lot of good things. And um, so we've had guys in, in the special teams roles doing good things, and we've had other guys that you know are actually playing like that. And uh, but yeah, they're all different studies. You know, Balaga came in, and boy, he just hit the ground running. He really looked good uh, all all throughout August. And uh, you know, still not quite sure if he's ready to play, but at least you know he's at uh, that end of the scale. But I think the bottom line is, yeah, we're going to keep an open mind towards young guys playing. And, you know, we're playing for today. We're not uh, playing for three years from now. We're playing for today. Purdue coach Joe Tiller talks about the Michigan game last week and the upcoming contest against the Hawks. Well, for the second week in a row, uh, we didn't get the results we were looking for uh, up in Ann Arbor. But we played a very good Michigan team that uh, truly brought their A game uh, uh, on both sides of the ball, uh, you know, I thought they performed extremely well, and we weren't able to match them. And uh, as a result, uh, came out of there with less than desired results on our behalf. Uh, but now we need to turn the page and move on, and and uh, get ourselves ready to play. Uh, you know, a, a, once again, a hard-nosed Iowa Hawkeye team, which we'll see this week. Tiller looks at Iowa's defense. Well, I, I don't see anything different quite frankly I think what's made it most effective is it hasn't changed uh, I don't see anything different or revolutionary about it it's uh, hard-nosed uh, physical play uh, physical play by the linebackers physical play by the secondary uh, I think it's just a, another typical defense uh, that, the, that the University of Iowa puts on the field and I don't think it I don't think it's changed it's 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 more of the same. Unfortunately, that more of the same uh, uh, provides you with a, with a heck of an opponent to play against. Joe Tiller talks a little bit about Iowa's offense. Well, I think their running backs are very good, uh, both of them. Uh, you know, Albert Young's a guy we've been watching for a long time. Seems to be like fine wine, gets better with age. Uh, explosive physical guy, and, and uh, I think his replacement is, uh, is equally effective. Uh, so I think they can run the football, and uh, I think their offense, uh, their passing game is uh, what I would describe as a sneaky uh, passing game in the sense that, uh, uh, you know, they're going to they're gonna hit you, uh, you know, in unsuspecting times and unsuspecting places. And uh, I think the combination of those two things uh, present a, you know, a heck of a challenge for your football team. Teller was asked if the Purdue team's confidence and self-esteem is a little low after consecutive losses to Michigan and Ohio State. Well, I like to think not in the sense that we have 21 seniors and we have a little older team and uh, you know I think that uh, you know when you eat a little humble pie you know if you're a competitive person it brings you back snaps you back into reality and gets you back uh, you know working on the task at hand and I think that uh, you know our players uh, from what I understand got a little ahead of themselves and that's never good and uh, I think now they, they've got their feet back on the ground. Well, I think they started talking about things that really were irrelevant versus a task at hand, you know, uh, playing on a national stage. And, you know, they make for good sound bites, but the reality of it is 
uh, you know, you need to you need to focus on your assignments, your your you know your responsibilities. Be accountable for what you're doing. Uh, you know, get your mind set on on a tough physical match, and not think that uh, you know things are going to come your way based on the fact that well now we're going to play you know a top five ranked team or you know a top traditional uh, you know opponent that uh, as you say has you know the winningest record in all of college football versus uh, you know what do I do on an 83 fan high pass route you know and what do I anticipate happening to me so I think that you know I think they got a little carried away there. Following our first caller you'll hear from former Hawkeye All-American and All-Pro tight end Marv Cook. Uh, what's up, this is Zach. Uh, I'm a Hawkeye fan from here in Iowa City. Uh, calling in, finally, something good to say, something good to uh, talk about, which was the win over Illinois, which that was just a fantastic game. It could be a turning point for Iowa this season. It could get us a little mo heading into the end of the season, which always hope, you know, you always hope that that carries over into the next season. You know, it wasn't a particularly good-looking win, but Iowa got it done, and that's really all that counts. A win is a win. Can't really point out any one thing that I was amazingly impressed by the defense. They sure did look good. I think it was more of a one of those situations where I don't think that Illinois believes that they can beat Iowa. Iowa just kind of has their number. Iowa finds ways to beat Illinois. That's all there really is to it. It'd be great to see Iowa take a victory over a ranked opponent and uh, just finish finish the Big Ten season strong. Excited that Iowa finally got back in the win column. HawkeyesMike.com, something new. It's sports talk radio on the internet, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. We want to welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly stint on HawkeyesMike.com. Marv, you've been in a lot of big games, both as a player and even now as a coach. Analyze how big this win was for the team, how important it was, the defense, the offensive play, the special teams, and the improvement that you saw last Saturday. Well, I thought it was obviously a huge win, uh, huge win for everybody. I mean, Coach Ferentz um, looked like he really appreciated the team's effort. And then uh, the fans, obviously, I mean, I think it was amazing. I mean, to see the fans and the way they reacted and supported their team and kind of emotional for me to watch it. So it was, it was, a, it was a great win for Iowa. I thought the defense, obviously, I think the thing they did best was they stopped the running game. They really stopped uh, Illinois' option, spread option, and uh, made him throw, and, and they shut that down as well. So, But then offensively, we didn't score a lot of points, but we moved the ball. We changed the field position, got a lot of first downs, established the run, and then uh, when we needed to play, you know, Myers and Christian stepped up and made a great play for us. So that was the key, to, in my opinion, was how the offense was able to get first downs, eat some clock, keep the defense off the field not give the other team's offense that many possessions at our defense, and, and ultimately I think that was the difference in the game. Can this game be considered a turning point for the Hawks? Oh, very much so. I mean, it's a huge win, a you know, top 20 team. Uh, I think it shows the parity in the Big Ten. You know, they beat Wisconsin, uh, you know, and then we beat Illinois, we played Wisconsin tough. So I think there's a lot of parity in the Big Ten, and you know, we've mentioned this before, Big Ten's a league right now where maybe with the exception of one team or two teams, you can win any given Saturday uh, if you play well. So, you know, I think it's a situation where now we go to Purdue, we'll have confidence, we know we can win in the Big Ten, and uh, hopefully they can use that as a catalyst. 
The offensive line appeared to gel all of a sudden. You know, they're getting better. It's a work in progress for a lot of those guys getting used to each other. And then the thing that I really liked, I thought the running backs did a great job. I mean, I thought a lot of times Illinois had it stopped for maybe a two or three yard gain and our backs were able to get four or five, which may not seem like a lot, but over the course of the game versus third and seven versus third and four is a big difference, you know. I thought our running backs were just outstanding at getting yards after contact and, and really keeping us our offense in manageable third down situations. Assess Jake's performance. He did some pretty good things and he continued to struggle in a couple of areas. You know, the one thing that, that I like about Jake is I really think he throws a good ball for the most part. I think he's got a nice sling to it. It really has got, it comes out with some good velocity, not too hard at times, but uh, every once in a while he does have a tendency to throw a little bit high. Uh, it seems to me like when he does throw it, he throws a pretty, pretty solid pass and the, the, you know the pass to Myers down the middle for the touchdown was obviously just a nice firm throw and and so I think he's making steps I think um, like I said that this offense is built around running the ball though and when we were able to run the ball it helped set up some of the other stuff but uh, you know offensively the points on the board wasn't enough but the field position changed the time of possession that we were able to do those are the things that a good quarterback helps his offense do, controls the ball, doesn't create turnovers, things like that. And, and I think he's, he's definitely moving in the right direction. Was the Illinois game a pretty good example of how Norm Parker's defensive schemes could work or should work? You know, Coach Parker, I think, wants to make a team one-dimensional. And the one thing I thought they were able to do pretty effectively was stop Illinois' running game. And, I mean, they had some really good fakes in there every once in a while that the quarterback came out and they made some yardage but for the most part I thought the running game was in check made them have to throw the ball and if you make a team one-dimensionally you have a tr pretty good chance to be successful and I don't think Illinois was that effective passing the ball I mean I don't think that's not what they want to do it's not kind of who they are I mean it is a little bit of what they are but uh, mostly their running back has been their stud so far this year. Give your assessment of Ron Zook's coaching last Saturday. How much do you think that contributed to the Iowa victory? Well, I think it was unbelievable. I mean, I think there was a couple situations where, uh, you know, we had they had third and six and they had a holding penalty and he took it instead of going fourth and six. And uh, one time was specifically on the midfield uh, and then Iowa converted the first down. So, I mean, I think he made a couple coaching errors that really cost his team the game, to be honest with you. As a player, what does this kind of a win mean to you? Huge. I mean, the fact that they haven't won in the last seven or eight Big Ten games, uh, a lot of these guys, you know, the younger guys, Christensen included, hadn't won a Big Ten game for a while, you know. So for those guys, it's a Big Ten win, obviously for Jake in Illinois, being his home state, it's probably an extra benefit for him. And then to be carried off the field by a student, the student body, I mean, you know, how many teams across the country have that happen where you win a game and you hadn't won it for a while and you get carried off the field. I mean, the fan supported Iowa was just incredible. So I, I think it's going to be a, definitely a stepping stone for a lot of these guys to know that they can do it. Uh, I think having Dallas Clark there and knowing that guys like Dallas Clark and Bob Sanders have come through that program have done the exact same thing that these guys are doing. So they can see the template and see that it does work, you know, then go out and execute and that's exactly what they did. I want to focus a minute on the play calling. In watching Saturday's game closely and looking at it again on tape, it seemed that Ken O'Keefe almost never got the play call into Christensen before, oh, maybe the 15, 16 second mark, which means the Hawks rarely broke the huddle with more than about 10 seconds left. Why would that be happening? Is that a problem or is that by design? 
Well, I mean, it, it all depends. I mean, it, it depends on what the thought process is. A lot of times you have core plays that you're not going to have a check with me system. You're just going to run the play no matter what. Uh, and it could have been a situation where they were trying to let the air out of the ball, just making sure that, you know, that we don't turn the ball over, that we do utilize the full 25 second clock. Obviously, timeouts are critical. You want to make sure you have them late in the game, so you never want to see yourself wasting timeouts. But uh, you know, a lot of times, if there's something that may come up, you may be trying to set up a special play or something, and, and you have trouble getting that communication in, into the huddle in time. So those are things you want to be aware of. But you know, in the big picture, it didn't affect the game this week. But it is something from a coaching standpoint that you always do want to be aware of. As a player, when that happens, what what kind of pressure does that place on you? The thing as a player is, you just got to make sure that you don't do something you're not supposed to do. You don't rush and then get a procedure call or something like that so you just have to pick up the tempo hurry to the line get in your stance make sure if you got motions everybody's set so that's where that's where that problem can get in if you have motions and, and shifts and things like that or uh, you know if you speed the cadence up then you may get a guy jumping off sides or something so you just want to make sure that once you do get set and ready to go your tempo is the same the, the you know the standard operating procedure is the same once you do get up to the line of scrimmage. Certainly don't want to take anything away from the Hawks and, and everybody, players, fans, coaches should enjoy celebrating that Illinois victory from Saturday. But is it fair to say that we should still be pretty cautious in looking at the progress this team has made and the expectations in the upcoming games? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's a, it's a win, but yet, you know, you look at Illinois beat Wisconsin and you think that's a big win, but then you see Penn State pummels Wisconsin. So we're not sure how good Wisconsin is right now. And I think that's a fair assessment because they started against Nevada. They struggled against uh, the Citadel. The Big Ten, there's a lot of parity in the Big Ten. So, I mean, it's a work in progress. Purdue has got a good record, but yet they haven't really played anybody yet. I mean, Ohio State managed them pretty well. You know, we're getting to that point in the Big Ten where, you know, the next four or five games, Iowa could win. If they play well and they keep playing like they're playing on defense and the offense does what they need to do, they got a ch good chance to win. After watching them all season and now especially after the Illinois game, what's your sense of their development and performance at this point? Like I said, the thing that I really liked was our running backs, and I, I thought we had really good running backs coming into the season. I really thought the difference was is yards after contact. I mean, I thought a lot of times they had two or three yards, but then they would make four, five, six, and that was huge. I mean, from a play calling standpoint, that is enormous to be second and four versus second and seven or second and eight. I, I thought they were outstanding at that. So, I mean, that was a great step for this offense. You know, we've talked about Myers. I think he's a great tight end. I think he's, I don't think we dropped off much when we lost Moyaki at that point, but hopefully we get him back in the mix here pretty soon. Next guy's got to step up. A couple players made great plays on third and longs for him. And offensively, I thought there was some good things going on. Illinois didn't execute very well at times, but I think that's a credit to the Iowa defense. I think our defense was getting to the ball, really doing a good job of keeping, uh, like I said, the running back in check and not letting the receivers have free releases and stuff. So I mean, I thought there was a lot of great things on defense. So I mean, it was, it was definitely a great win and a, and a great step for this team. What do you expect to see the rest of the season now? More the same. I mean, just improvement across the board. I, anybody that's followed a Kirk Ferentz team knows that they just get better and better and better. Maybe this is a team that hasn't developed as quickly as we've seen in the past, but I think we're seeing a team that's pretty solid on defense and is getting better and better and better on offense, and I think we'll see more of the same over the next four to five weeks. Keys to the Purdue game? A lot like they were last week. Offense moving the ball, not giving Purdue a lot of looks at our defense. Uh, their offense, a lot of looks at our defense. Uh, changing field possession with our offense, moving the ball down the field, uh, and then making a play when we get the opportunity. We need to make some big plays on offense, some 70-yard runs, some 25-yard runs, some 60-yard pass catches, things like that. If we can do that uh, and be solid with our special teams, then we have a chance. Any other thoughts, Marv? It's a great win. It was a great win to be at Saturday at Kinnick. Great environment. 
you know, this will be a good test for the, these guys to go on a road and have a game that they can win if they play well and it'll be a good challenge for them, but wholeheartedly if they go out and take care of business, they'll have a great chance to do it. Another call, then coming up, award-winning Iowa City Press Citizen Sports reporter and columnist, Pat Hardy. Hey, this is Sean. Game was exciting this week, a lot of fun. Kinnick hasn't really had that kind of vibe for a while. It was exciting to have it back. Also, I think another thing that was pretty exciting was just the play of the team. Looks like there's a lot of potential there. It looks like they could be really good. Jake Christensen especially, he played all right. Still has those missed passes, but what I was glad to see is that once he starts completing those passes, and I believe he will, the offense is going to become really dangerous. And you look at the game just against Illinois, instead of 10-6, could have been 28-6 or so. Those passes would have been made. It'll be fun to watch throughout the rest of the season. And a pretty smart first drive here is Ken O'Keefe, the offensive coordinator. Spoke with him yesterday, and uh, he's got confidence in this young quarterback. And I, I, when wa I watched him on tape, and I think there is a chance he can develop. He's awful green, he's awful young, but he has the ability. He's got a rocket for an arm. He's also one of the faster straight-ahead runners on this Iowa football team. Call in and express your opinions about the Hawks. Be among the first to make your voice heard on HawkeyesMike.com. Call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS to express your opinions and join our guest experts on weekly podcasts. We welcome back Pat Hardy. You can read Pat's articles in the Press Citizen and on Hawk Central. Pat, what did you take away from Saturday's victory over Illinois? How, how important was this game? What's most important is the fact that the players finally are being rewarded for their hard work. Even when they're losing, they're still working hard during the week. And like Kirk Ferentz says, they're probably working even harder during the week when they're losing. But this time they finally got some reward for their effort. And I, we saw that Iowa defense be physical like we thought it could be. I thought they did a great job of slowing down and stopping that option offense that they had. And I think it was key that the offense came out early in the first half, first quarter, didn't score, but didn't go three and out. And I think that was huge. I, I think it kind of provided some hope and a little spark for them. And, I think the offense, did, the offense didn't lose the game and the defense really came up and helped them win the game. That's how I describe it. Do you think this was a turning point? It's hard to say. I mean, I want to say that, but then what happens if they go to Purdue and lose by three touchdowns? You just don't know. If they go out and beat Purdue, then I think, yes, that game is a turning spot. But I don't want to say that then have them lose to Purdue because then they're back to their – then you don't know if they're back to their – I think it's we're still a little early. First down plays were significantly more effective against the Illini, as was the third down conversion rate. The ability of the offense to finally sustain a lot of drives, even if not score, was especially important to this game. Oh, I think it's huge. I mean, it gives it sets a tempo for the game. The defense doesn't get tired. The offense gains some confidence, but also gains some rhythm being out there a little bit. When you're three and out all the time, you don't have any rhythm. They were they were gaining some rhythm. They were also winning the battle on the in the interior trenches there, and I think that hasn't happened for a while. And I think you could tell early on that they were doing that, and I think they knew that they were going to be able to run the ball, and then at, eventually Illinois softened up a little bit and Iowa was able to do a balanced attack and I think it just had a huge mental a positive effect on them mentally when they came out there and realized that they could actually do something up front. The offensive line appeared to gel all of a sudden. How much do you think this had to do with uh, bringing in Beluga and Doreen, for example? I sure think it looked like it helped because when I watched Beluga and Doreen both in there they seemed to get better surge and better they just seemed to do a little better than the Mead and 
Vanderbilt. They're bigger, they're a lot taller. It seems like instead of just entangling and blocking somebody, they pushed and drove. And I just thought the line had a lot more surge when those guys were in there, especially Beluga. I was very impressed by him. And I think some of it, too, is maybe Illinois' defense just wasn't as good as I thought. They weren't very physical. A number of Iowa players did say that. But this was a good step forward for the line. Now the question is, can they sustain this instead of taking a step back? In spite of the win, you still saw Jake struggling a little bit with uh, missing wide open receivers on several occasions, hanging on the ball too long, uh, better than in the past games, but still some of those problems. Assess his performance. Yeah, I thought he showed improvement. I thought he was a little more poised in the pocket, and he did get sacked twice, and he missed a couple of open receivers, but that's going to happen. But I thought for the most part he was a serviceable quarterback who avoided putting them in bad situations. I think. I think he had a couple nice runs. I thought he ran the offense okay. You know, he completed over two-thirds of his passes. So I think he was pretty efficient. And I think what it's going to really help him between the ears, because I think he needed that first Big Ten victory to prove to himself that he could do it. Norm Parker's defensive schemes really seem to work here. I think that might have been part of it. I just think that they just came out and were physical. The linebackers had a good day. And I think Illinois' quarterback is not a great passing quarterback, so I don't think they were as concerned about getting beat on the deep ball. And I think that gave them some flexibility. But once they slowed that option down and um, realized Juice Williams is not that accurate of a passer, I think that really played into Iowa's hands, and they were kind of able to control, the, control what was going on up front. You wrote a column after the game on Sunday talking about Ron Zook's coaching in this game. Talk about that a little bit. A decent amount. I think by not by accepting those two penalties late in the game and giving Iowa more opportunities to either run down the clock or to get a first down, you just don't do that. I mean, he he would have forced Iowa in the one situation that he taken the, not taken the penalty, it would have been fourth down. Iowa would have been forced to make a tough decision with a questionable kicking game, but instead he took the decision out of Iowa's hands and made it for him. And then I still think the idea of replacing your starting quarterback in the fourth quarter is just stupid. I know it's worked for them in the past, but I think now that they've lost a game and he did this, I think it could be, I think it could lead to some turmoil and what have you. Now the they don't really have an I they don't really have a distinguished starting quarterback right now. So yeah, I think the Zucker was good for a few points on Iowa's behalf. Also want to talk with you a little bit about the the time it takes for O'Keefe to get plays into the game. Why do you think that would be happening? I don't know. I mean, I, I did notice that a few times, and I would think that if it was a serious issue that the coaches would address it. I'm wondering if it's maybe something we just draw more out of it than the, what's really there, and that maybe it's not that big of a deal. I don't know. I did notice the plays getting in there late, but I didn't notice too many delay calls and what have you. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt on that one. And just and I, I don't really think it indicates like they're unorganized or what have you. I just think that maybe uh, it's just the way maybe he does do things a little differently. But I don't know. I think if it was something real serious, Kirk would address it. Isn't that likely to be a more serious problem when you have a, a young quarterback and an inexperienced offensive line? I'm sure it doesn't help getting the play out late. I mean, it just adds to the stress level and what have you. But I thought for the most part, things went pretty smoothly or what have you. And I, I it just one thing, it just doesn't look like Jake does many audibles and it doesn't look like Jake looks off receivers that much. So maybe Ken's taking that into account and maybe he's calling plays a little differently for Jake than he did for Drew. I don't know. It's hard to say when we never get to talk to O'Keefe. I think it's probably fair to say we still should be pretty cautious and looking at the progress for this team. Celebrate the victory and enjoy it and savor it. But what do you think is fair in terms of expectations in the upcoming games? Very much so. I would say guarded optimism at best. I would say that this team is capable of winning all of its last five games, and I think it's probably capable of losing all of its five games, with exception possibly to Western Michigan because it's here. But those other games, I mean, they're going to have to score points to beat Minnesota and Northwestern. They're going to have to score a lot of points. So, I mean, I would say right now just be happy with the victory and take it one at a time.
after this Illinois game, your evaluation sense of development performance? Uh, still a little behind schedule, a little below average, what have you. I, they beat Illinois, but they still only scored 10 points. I still think there's a lot of issues on offense. The one, one of the best things they have going for them, though, is this schedule. I mean, their last five games are very easy games in the big scheme of things, but we just don't know where Iowa's at right now. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they came out and regressed big time on offense this week. I mean, we just don't know yet. I think it's still too early to really know what this team's all about yet. Once again, we'll ask uh, your keys to the Purdue game. Scoring early, capitalize on maybe a couple of Purdue turnovers. They can't let Dorian Bryan break free easy and get a big score early. They have to try to keep, they have to try to grab that early momentum just like they did at home against Illinois. But I think if they can do that, and then if they can run the ball at all against Purdue, let's face it, Michigan was ahead of them 48 to seven. They're not that good. So I think if they can run the ball and score early, I think that'll really be a key for them. It's here. Hawkeyes Mike is for Iowa fans by Iowa fans. It's Hawk Sports Talk Radio on the internet. Your chance as a Hawkeye fan to make your voice heard on men's and women's sports. Weekly on HawkeyesMike.com. no controversial calls coming out of the Iowa-Illinois game, unless of course you're an Illinois fan who's probably still smarting over that touchdown called back because of an ineligible receiver downfield. So, Rob will sit on the sidelines and wait until next week. A couple of additional comments this week. First, Iowa did have some more off-field problems with the arrest and subsequent dismissal from the team of reserve running back Dana Brown. Brown might have played a significant role next year in the Hawks' running game since Iowa loses both Young and Sims from this year's team. Ooh, that's bad. Given everybody's feelings over Iowa's big win over Illinois, let me throw in just a little bit of criticism completely unrelated to the game. As anyone knows who attends Kinnick Stadium, the atmosphere in Kinnick is electric before and during games. It's especially so under the lights as it has been a couple of times in the past years. And excitement builds with the team's entrance beginning with back in black and the team coming out of the tunnel. Why then do we continue to use that lame entrance of Herky the Hawk, carried in on a wobbly platform by his manslaves. When you look around the country at some of the other great stadiums and programs, at some of the other mascot entrances, they are dramatic and exciting. Herky's entrance doesn't match the rest of the electricity at Kinnick. Have him come in on a black and gold Harley or something else more dramatic than what happens now. Have him lead the team in. Have him do anything but this lame entrance. Maybe we should have a contest here to come up with better suggestions and pass them along to the Iowa Athletic Department. If you have any, please call them in or email them. Great story. Compelling and rich. That's it. I'm out of here. Just a reminder that following every football game this fall, questions will be posted on the HawkeyesMike.com website. You can respond to those or offer whatever comments you like. The toll-free hotline will be open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. To get your comments included in next week's show, please call by Tuesday evening. Just call 866-74-HAWKS. The new podcast should be available for listening or downloading on Wednesday afternoons. Again, just call 866-74-HAWKS to make your voice heard. Today's Hawkeyes Mike program is made possible in part by the Lodge Apartments in Iowa City, the finest in student living, your home away from home. Call 319-358-3500 or go to www.thelodge at ui.com and by 
Morgan Stanley Financial Advisors of Coralville. Call 319-338-5184 or 800-870-0002 for all your investment needs. It will be difficult this Saturday at Purdue. Ross-Aid Stadium has always been tough for the Hawkeyes. While the Hawks have won three consecutive games against Purdue, they've lost three out of their last four in West Lafayette. The Boilermakers are also looking for revenge for the thumping the Hawks gave them at Kinnick last year. This is an extremely potent Purdue offense, and the Hawks' defense has yet to demonstrate that they can consistently stop the spread offense, which Purdue has run really well for most of the season. Purdue averages nearly 300 yards per game passing. That's second in the Big Ten, and Purdue has 20 passing touchdowns to show for it. Purdue certainly has a suspect defense, though, and the Hawks will have to do what they did against Illinois, maintain possession time, run the ball effectively, pass efficiently, allow the defense to remain on the sidelines, and they'll need to continue to improve on third down conversions, which also means doing well on first down plays, and of course, they'll need to score more points. The Hawks also can't afford to get down early in this game, given the performance of the offense throughout the season. And let's remember, for the season, Iowa still has the Big Ten's least potent offense, averaging 314 yards and only 16 points a game. Let's see how the Hawks come out early at Purdue, see what positives they carry over from the Illinois game. Purdue will be very tough. It's up to the Hawks to show that they can build off the Illinois win and continue to improve. An impressive win over Illinois kept Iowa's bull hopes alive, and a win this weekend at Purdue would certainly improve things, putting the Hawks clearly back in the bowl picture, something few thought possible just two weeks ago. And it appears Iowa will get some of its key players back from injury this weekend, just in time for the Purdue game. Let's be cautiously optimistic, but realistically, this game could go either way. And I do think we'll begin to have a much clearer picture of the Hawks after this coming weekend. Hopefully, it will go Iowa's way. Wanzuk said this would be a very difficult test. Toughest game of the year. Iowa backed into a corner playing in a hostile environment, and his words have rung true. They came in here and faced an Iowa defense that shut them down most of the day, and then Illinois had an 83-yard touchdown pass called back by a penalty that would have given them lead, and then the interception at the goal line. And give all the credit in the world to this Iowa Hawkeye football team and Kirk Ferentz and his coaching staff. They got his guys ready to play, and he's an emotional man, and he's feeling it today, boy. What a win. They had not won in the Big Ten since they beat Illinois last year. Eight straight losses in conference. What an effort. His defense today. Eight tackles for loss, a sack, two turnovers, and they only allowed 287 yards. A great effort. Mike Humpel really led the way. And they really shut down that vaunted triple option offense from the Illini. Hawkeye's Mike is always interested in and encourages listener feedback. Help make us better. Please provide us with your comments and suggestions for programs, guests, and topics by emailing feedback at hawkeyesmike.com or by calling toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. Once again, our thanks to ESPN2 and to our regular contributors, Marv Cook and Pat Hardy, and of course to our callers. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate by phoning and making your own voice heard. 866-74-HAWKS. That's 866-74-HAWKS. We encourage new callers, phone into Hawkeyes Mike, make yourself heard, then listen to yourself on the podcast, and invite your friends and family to listen, and they can call in too. It's going to be all Hawkeyes, all the time on HawkeyesMike.com for Iowa fans by Iowa fans.
Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of HawkeyesMike.com and Enlightened Vision, LLC.